You are listening to the Gear 30 Podcast, a community, you could even call it a support group, for people addicted to outdoor adventuring and all the gear that goes with it. There is no shame here. In spite of what your spouse or partner may say, we believe it's okay to own five tents, seven backpacks, and 18 jackets. Our slogan, inspired by the great explorer Sir Ranolf Fiennes, is, there is no such thing as bad weather, only inappropriate gear. So if you're an aspiring outdoor adventurer, a mountain guide, or anyone in between, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Gear 30 Podcast, where we talk about outdoor adventuring and all the gear that goes with it. Today, um, so Chase, just FYI, for the last couple episodes, Chase hasn't been here. He is um, recuperating in Hawaii because uh, that's what you do. Utah wasn't good enough, apparently. So he's with his family in Hawaii for the week, and unfortunately for him, I do feel bad. His arm, uh, his shoulder, it it healed well, but he wasn't doing too well. Too well. He wasn't doing. Uh, uh, for various reasons, wasn't doing physical therapy while he was healing um, per his doctor's orders. And, and now his shoulder Which healed so quickly yeah. and so well that he can barely move his arm. And so now he's doing some pretty heavy-duty physical therapy to try to get his range of motion back and be able to start using his arm again. And so, unfortunately, man, had he been able to heal a little better, he'd probably enjoy Hawaii a little bit more. Can't do any of the uh, the activities really no because he can't move his arm i mean he could probably go swimming right i would think you yeah. could swim around in circles with one arm yeah <laughs> yeah you can't yeah. really r- swim away from sharks they no. just eat you but anyway so he's in hawaii we're here and um so uh that we want to talk about today the topic is what gear design outdoor so well design. i was curious about your experiences in design so um there's uh, I, there's people like you out there who see uh who have a jacket a piece of apparel a piece of clothing who are like you know what it'd be cool if it had this or i'd like it better if it had this right very few of those people actually try to make something right what was that where what, why did that threshold get crossed for you yeah so honestly i I was growing up and I was just addicted to outdoor gear and outdoor adventuring, uh, climbing and skiing and all those other things. And I would get the gear and I loved getting outdoor gear. And so I would get some gear and then I was always looking at all the other brands on the market. I'd get a tent, for example, and then I'd be looking at all the other tents on the market and trying to figure out which tent is better than the one I have. Or if I didn't have a tent, I would be... I'd research forever all of these different tents and try to figure out what's the best one for what I want. And then I would get the best one and I would use it and I would say, wow, this is a great tent, but I wish it was, it had this or it didn't have this or this was a little bit different. Or, you know, there would be a failure of some sort and I'd say, oh, how could I, how could that be changed so that this failure didn't happen or whatever? And 
And so then I would look for the next piece of gear that fixed those problems or, and sometimes I couldn't find it. It just wasn't on the market anywhere that I could find. And so then I would start be, I'd start thinking about, okay, what, what would I need to do to make this better? Now for, a, I did that from the time I was probably eight until 16, probably. I would use all this outdoor gear and I'd be thinking about it and I would just, I memorized as much of the outdoor gear that I could find on the market and figure out, you know, what's my favorite and why. But I wouldn't do anything about changing it or fixing it or making my own, um, excuse me, um, until high school. And then I met a friend of mine. In fact, my um, first day of 10th grade, now high school for me started at 10th grade not ninth grade and um, my first day of 10th grade I met a friend in a class who was a senior in high school and he was just like me loved the outdoors loved gear studied it designed it I mean for I don't know how many years I was just I'd be sitting in class and instead of listening I was drawing outdoor gear on a piece of paper how I would design it how I would change it and then I meet this guy first day of class and we start talking about climbing and I'm like, holy cow, this guy's just like me. He loves all the same things I like. And I notice on his notebook, he's just drawn outdoor gear. And the difference between he and I is he actually started making his own gear. Mm. And I had never done that. I had never really considered that I could do that um, because I didn't know how to sew and I, I didn't ever really try. Um, and so... Once I noticed, hey, he made his own sleeping bag. Huh, interesting. If he can do it, then I, I probably could figure that out. And so he's making it some of his own stuff, and I started making some of my own stuff. So I made a, a real lightweight backpacking tent and um, a lightweight quilt, sleeping bag type quilt, and started making some of my own stuff and started altering some of my own stuff when I was in high school. And um, I still, most of what I had was still from other companies. I was still buying all the other brand stuff. Um, but I was at least trying to make some of my own stuff. I was still designing on paper a lot. I was studying all the fabrics and, that everybody was using. Um, I was working at an outdoor sporting goods store and I started going to trade shows. Did you know that like, like did you ever think, oh I should do this as a lip for a living? Well, I always wanted to, and so did my go to school so did my buddy, right? Yeah. I always wanted to, but um, I I guess there was a part of me that thought I don't know that I could make enough money doing that to have the lifestyle that I wanted, mm -hmm. which included a family, kids, all that stuff, traveling. Um, that was me with skateboarding. Yeah, and I don't know if you know this or not, but there's this kid named Tony Hawk who came along. Uh huh. Ruin that for everybody. Yeah. Totally be pro. <laughs> Your name just has to be Tony Hawk. You're right. So and I, and so yeah, I didn't I didn't go after it. Also, there wasn't like outdoor gear design degrees back then. Um, there were there was like fashion design and stuff, but I didn't want anything to do with that. That's true. There because there are now. Right. There's, yeah. Yeah. In fact, Utah State has a great one. I mean, two people who work at our shop are have those degrees. Are getting yeah those degrees. Right. So. And um, anyway, so but most of the people that created outdoor gear, they just were like, they just tried it themselves, tried to make it themselves, and created companies out of that. Famous companies. Yeah. Outdoor Research is one of them. Oh, there's, 
pretty much all the companies Kavu's started that way. Kavu started with their hat that wouldn't blow off while fishing on a boat in Alaska. Oh, there you go. Uh, OR is the, the Gators. The Gators. Uh, right. That was pretty famous. Most people know. Um, I mean, Marmot started by uh, making sleeping bags and then and then jackets for the Iger sanction Sylvester Stallone movie. What? Back in the day, yeah. So, <clears throat> so um, the guy that started Marmot, I believe he started making sleeping bags down sleep mountain sleeping bags for mountaineering, and then he got commissioned by Hollywood to make a bunch of down jackets for the movie The Iger Sanction. I've never seen the movie, but I've seen the pictures of him wearing these puffy That's jackets, fantastic. and so that was part of it. <clears throat> Rab got started by um, Rab Carrington started making down sleeping bags. This was all way himself. back himself. He was making <clears throat> it, yeah. right back in the golden age of of uh, mountaineering and so, climbing. Sewing back golden yeah. age of sewing. Yeah. So then there's, um, you know, the North Face started that way. Marmot Mountain Hardware started later from some of the guys that had worked for the North Face and other and other companies. Um, they started up Mountain Hardware. Um, there's Western Mountaineering. Bags, yeah, all of all of these different companies started because there was a need. They wanted gear that didn't exist, and so they just had to make it themselves. And then what they were making, other people wanted, so they started making it for other people, and <clears throat> that's how these this all happened. So I got into actually getting paid to design gear <clears throat> a little bit a few years back because again I've, I've just always been kind of obsessed with outdoor gear and um, had designed a lot of stuff on paper and I'd made some of my own stuff um, but an opportunity arose to maybe start a company and start designing some of my own gear and so um, just uh, this last year I've started spending a lot more time designing gear and in fact right here I've got a, a prototype jacket that I made last week but that you, I'm testing out. You made out. a jacket. Sewed it up and designed. But you're very particular. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. So is it frustrating when you see clean, clean pieces, clean jackets from brands that have been doing what they do for a long time, Arcteryx being one, um, and then when you try to mimic that, like how? <laughs> it's hard. How hard is that? Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. Well, and like, so man, these guys are good. Yeah. So that's one thing that's been interesting is when you start designing the gear and, and you are you do notice the stuff and you are really particular and you start sewing it up yourself, you start to realize it takes me half the time to sew it this one way versus this other way. But the other way that takes twice as long is better for these reasons. And then I start looking at other outdoor product and I think, OK, this brand sewed it the, the fast and easy way. And this other brand sewed it the harder, better way. Mm. That's interesting. And now, do you see that reflected in pricing? Uh-huh. Yeah. Reflected in pricing, reflected in... Um, in Performance. Performance. And there's a lot of companies out there that they'll charge you the same amount for a lesser product, uh, lesser... Because constri- maybe... Because we don't know. Because we're just, just yeah, buying Yeah, because it, right? it's like, well, this kind of all looks the same, but yeah. just someone... To, to a designer you'd look at that and you'd say oh they went cheap mm. they went cheap on that they they used an easier stitch they they um they sewed it this way and and the threads are uh on the on the surface fabric like 
you can sew a, um, a jacket together and then top stitch it so it lays flat and it looks clean but then the stitches are on the on the surface fabric now that's fine most of the time but in some areas those threads are gonna are gonna then rub against rocks and other things and and potentially come undone and then you're gonna have a seam that's come undone that's come loose and so you know how uh, when you go to well when you see new product every year shows outdoor retailer show and uh, vendors show new products were there times when you thought to yourself because the, they have to change they have to have new features every year right when you're like yeah no that's not a new feature that's you stupid. were just saving a buck right. or something yeah absolutely and there's been plenty of times where oh see we shortened the collar here <laughs> no that's you're just no, saving you just a buck. went cheap yeah. yeah yeah there's been plenty of times where that's been the case um and excuse me and you notice well, so there's a few companies. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of stories. Um, these are stories that were told to me. I assume they're true. I assume they're truthful. I I didn't experience them We're going to retell them like they're true. So. Right. So, um, and I think I've told the story before, but most people listening probably haven't heard it. So there's a guy who I know um, who worked as a tent designer for the North Face for Sierra Designs, for Mountain Hardware. He's one of the guys that started Mountain Hardware. Well, I don't know that exactly for sure, but I think so. Um, but he's he's been a tent designer for all of the big companies, and he's created some of the best tent designs for mountaineering tents ever. Um, and he is he's a, a tent designing genius. He's very, very good at, at designing tents. So while he was working for Mountain Hardware designing tents they he was the one that designed the all of their famous Trango series tents and these tents were the mountaineering tents to buy at the time next to Hilleberg Hilleberg was probably better but you'd see these tents all over the place because they were awesome well at the time that Columbia purchased Mountain Hardware he was still working for Mountain Hardware and he noticed that they would get back like one or two tents for warranty, these mountaineering tents, every month or something like that. Like one or two is all. And something would have happened, uh, bear tore it apart, got caught in an avalanche. Like all of these crazy things would happen that would damage these tents. But the tents wouldn't just kind of fall apart. Um, something would damage them. And they would they would send them in for to get them fixed or warrantied or whatever else. And then he said, shortly after Columbia purchased the tent, or purchased the company, they started getting a whole bunch of tents coming back for warranty that had just been falling apart. Mm. And he thought, what's, what's that? I mean, instead of one or two a month, they were getting like 30 a month. And he's like, what's going on? They look the same. The tents look the same, but... Th and so he started digging into the tents and he's seeing, oh, they went cheaper on the fabric. They went cheaper on the thread. They went cheaper on the way that they sewed it. They went cheaper, like, on a lot of these things. And so he designed this awesome tent, and then they went cheap in the factory to save bucks. They were still selling them for the same price, but in order to save some money, they they uh, had them produced in a cheaper way. And he he threw a fit about that and kind of brought it up to those guys, and they said, no, these are these are the same tents. He said, no, they're not. I know it. And they 
they weren't going to do anything about it. He got frustrated and eventually left the company. And he ended up starting a different company, a different tent company. And um, I don't, I don't know if I should say this. The company is Slingfin. Yeah, I heard of it. Yeah, and they yeah. they make awesome mountaineering tents. And I mean, I that's not really my story to tell, and I don't know that he told me that story, expecting me to go tell it to the rest of the world or whatever. But um, he was just really frustrated because these amazing tents that he designed were getting made cheaply, and were being sold for a premium price. And he thought, I don't, I don't want that. I want my tents to perform, to be reliable, to last, to be awesome. And so he left and he started his own company. And he doesn't cut corners. His products are amazing, all that stuff. So that's one example of a company going cheap to try to save some money and trying to kind of pull a quick one. Now, I bring up Mountain Hardware as a company that's done that, but they're pretty much all doing that. Almost all of them are doing that now because you go and you, let's say you have a tent that you're making 5,000 tents a year for, like, um, say you've got a, you know, a $400 tent and you sell 5,000 a year. And if you can make that tent that you're selling for $400 for $100, you're making a pretty good margin. Um, so you're making like $300 per tent. That's not, that's easy math. It's not exactly how it works, but for easy math, $300 per tent. Um, now if you work with a factory in China or wherever you're working and you say, Hey, instead of this $400 tent costing a hundred dollars, if I go with a step down piece of fabric, um, it's just lower quality fabric that looks the same and we produce it more cheaply, we can cut this from $100 a tent to 75 bucks a tent. And we can still sell it for 400 bucks. And it's still gonna perform pretty well for most people. It's not probably gonna fall apart for most users. Um, and then, hey, now we're making an extra 25 bucks per tent for 5,000 tents. Well, that's $125,000 of extra profit that you can make and nobody knows the difference. Daddy needs a brand new car. (laughs) (laughs) And that's just one product. Now consider that over a company that has dollars. Yeah. That has hundreds of products and you can save 10 or 15 or 20 bucks here or there. Now you're talking millions or tens of millions of bucks or hundreds of millions of bucks. Even you say that. Um, and I believe that happens. However, the, coming back from after a retailer show this last winter and noticing the sustainability trend and noticing the the push towards using products that have been recycled mm-hmm. um and they will admit they're like yeah it's probably not as tough as the original you know or as this product but it's recycled right it's recycled um, and some say that it's stronger because of the way whatever they're using, whatever plastics that are using that are recycled. Yeah. Um, I don't buy it, but. Yeah. Um, there. Yeah. There, so there's that uh, to think about. And then the the idea of not cutting co- corners because there's companies out there like that, too, because by generating, and this is where we try to buy, generating a product that will last 
a long time is more sustainable in the end. Um, I mean, potentially. So yeah, there's, there's the way it's one made. One philosophy, but, yeah, yeah, would be the would be the reverse way which of I, saying, yeah. which I personally believe more. Yeah, that's my personal belief, but I, I just think it's nice to buy a product that you're like, you know what? If I didn't need, if I don't have to buy another tent, I don't really have this one. Still works, right? So my parents have a an old spring bar tent. It's a Coleman spring bar tent that they got from my grandparents when they got married. Mm. My grandparents had had it for 15 years or something like that. And then they gave it to my parents when they got married. Or maybe maybe they had it longer than that. My parents have now been married for like 45 years. So it's probably a 60-year-old tent. Still works great. Wow. Still, still works really well. They did have to have it. Yeah, a canvas spring bar mm-hmm. wall tent. They did have to have some of the seams re-sewn because the thread had it was so old that it started coming apart in some places. Yeah. Um, it actually held up really well until my dog at the time jumped on the side of the, was running after a ball that bounced off the tent and she was running to get it and jumped off the side of the tent and it tore some of the seams. And then they're just like, well, okay, let's just re-sew all these seams with new, new thread. But the tent's still in great shape. Still works really well. It's 60 plus years old. You'd never get that out of the tents these mm, days. Yeah. You know, I've got a Nemo, big Nemo family tent. It tore the first, like the second time we used it. And you like Nemo. Uh, yeah. And I think they're a fine brand. I mean, now I see Nemo and Mountain Hardware and the North Face and Big Agnes and all these companies all kind of in the same, the same tier of they make quality products but they go a little bit cheap on them to save money and it's probably how they have to do it to stay in business and stuff like that but i don't i don't think they're horrible companies or that they're they're dishonest or anything like that it's just kind of the reality of how they how they do things but um they're not like you look at a company like hilleberg they don't cut corners they don't skimp on quality ever not that i can tell every single product i've I've seen from them is as good a quality as you can get. MSR, I feel like, is a step above a lot of the other brands on how well their products are made and, and stuff like that. But, I mean, you look at, like, Nemo, the North Face, Mountain Hardware, Big Agnes, all those companies, still better than the average 10 out there. Probably skimping a little bit on quality to save money. And uh, So what's the process? We met... We met uh, Matt Disney of Wuru, who yeah. uh, knew um, Merino Wool Company, based out of Salt Lake, sourced in New Zealand, designed in Colorado, manufactured in L.A., brought to market in about two years. Um, now it's base layer, so it's not a jacket. So there's no zippers, there's no pockets, there's no. Right. It's, it's a lot simpler t- to design. But when, because you're wearing a, a sample jacket that you've designed here today. What's the process of draw literally drawing it on a piece of paper to to wearing f- to it. wearing it and to, to having it made like sent to China or wherever manufactured and and then like having a production line sure Is it, can you do that in like six months or you could but but I mean most companies don't that's mm. pretty darn fast to 
Mo- so a company like Arcteryx, I have heard they test their products out for two, three, four years before they come to market mm-hmm. because they test them real thoroughly. They want to know exactly how it's going to perform and, and where the weaknesses are and what needs to be reinforced where and all that stuff. And um, probably the top companies are doing that. They're testing their stuff for a couple of years before it ever hits the market. Um, probably the fastest that you could you could uh, get a product to market would be, mm, well, it's, if you're using factories in China, for example, and most, you know, people kind of have a funny, have kind of funny attitudes about having things made in China, but the reality is, is the technology in the factories in China is better than here. Um, you will have a hard time getting an outdoor product made um, in the U.S., at the same level of quality as in China because they have better technology for making because that's what they do. Now you can, they have all the technology to make the best stuff and you can say, hey, I want to go cheap. How do I save money? And they can go cheap or they can make the nicest stuff. Arcteryx makes all their stuff in China, most of their stuff in China. A lot of their stuff is, is made in Asia. Some of their stuff is made in Canada, but most of it's made in Asia. And it's about as good as it comes when it comes to construction. So. So there is that. But if you are using a factory in China, generally you have to place your order six to nine months ahead of time, ahead mm-hmm. of when you need it. And so that means you have to have the everything designed, have to know all the product or all of the, you have to have the pattern dialed. You have to know exactly what fabrics, what zippers and everything that you need for that jacket. You have to have that all figured out perfectly six to nine months before you need so the what's product. that package thing called that you send off uh tech pack tech pack yeah t-e-c-k-c-h huh t-e-c-h tech yeah technical uh t-e-c-h okay tech pack one word or is it like a two words yeah so it's just it's just essentially all of the information about the product that the factory would need to produce the product and then and so that's usually they do a digital what you thing, told them to do, but there something's off, and so they send a sample, and so you got to fix that. Right. And, okay. Yeah. So you might go through uh, two or three prototypes, four prototypes before you get it finally dialed, and then they create a sample for you that is like, okay, here's the finished sample. We need a thumbs up or thumbs down, and if it's good, give them the thumbs up. All right, now we're going to produce ten thousand of these or 4, okay, ten thousand. So what's the minimum? You're like, can I need to most produce? I need to. I'm, I'm. I got a new jacket I want to make. Most factories over there, the big factories, they won't do less than about a thousand per unit. A thousand. Um. So that's uh, that's about as low. Mo- a lot of comp- a lot of factories will do less than two thousand. Hmm. So if you find a factory that'll do less than that, they're probably a real small factory. But the bigger factories that are doing creating products for the big names, the Nike and North Face and Adidas and all these other companies, um, they probably have minimum order quantities of 2,000 plus per per style. So mm. it's a lot. And if you've got a... Per style. Per style. So if you've got Not a jacket... per color. Right, per style. Okay. Yeah. So you could, yeah, you could have 1,000 units of one style and ha- have that spit, split between four colors and do 250 per color um there are but if you think about that for like an 800 dollars gore-tex shell hard shell and that's about what the top shells are going for these days that probably costs about 200 dollars for a company to produce in a factory 
then they probably turn around and sell that to retailers for 400-ish. So they're kind of doubling their money. And then a retailer will turn around and sell it for 800 if they can. <laughs> so, which most, or to win or clearance for 400 <laughs> Right, exactly. So you buy it for 400 and then you get it for 400 and the retailer didn't make anything. They lost, yeah, takes they lost money on it. So... So people think, oh man, what a ripoff! They get it for four hundred and sell it to me for eight hundred. Well, no, they don't. Um, rarely do you get to sell your top end stuff at full price, and when you do, you you do a happy dance, and then and then you sell the other three for half off. So and yeah, that. that's that's hard because you know there's a lot of. I mean, we have an Arcteryx outlet here in town, yeah. and people can get it at basically whatever. Maybe even below cost of what the manufacturer made it for, if they're mm. lucky. Um, but at least at our cost, right? You know, um, and then so we certainly can't sell it and make. I mean, it's pointless because the time and energy it takes to bring it into the store and right. um, paying our, in the paying system, our employees and sit and watch the floor while somebody finally buys one, and then they pay, they buy one and paying for rent. All you did was pay it back because it was sitting on the shelf for six months to a year and you have to pay you have to sell it for 50 percent off so when we have big sales at 50 percent off you know realize we're losing money we are losing money and right. a lot of money um, right we only make money when the margins are above a certain percent so um yeah it's yeah it's, it's a it's a retail hard the the advantage to a a retail store is to provide the shopper the experience to go in and go in and see multiple brands talk to somebody who's yeah familiar with it what's the deal oh i never heard of nerona what's nerona oh well let me tell you what nerona is they use this kind of gore-tex there this is their brand story um versus like trying to figure that out on your own online yeah um but normally the price is the same if you buy direct and then that's when we we don't make money as a retailer you know obviously because you didn't buy from us you have to understand the manufacturer makes like double like because they made it for 200 bucks and they sell it for 800 and they're cash 600 bucks at the bank so they're so they love that right right yeah if they can cut out the middleman which is the retailers then they're yeah they're making a lot more money at the expense of course yeah of the retailers, i saw so. somebody it was a i don't remember what it was it was a gadget it was a maybe it was a gopro or something and no it was an iphone it was an iphone and they were and they put that out there it was like do you know that it only cost it was supposed to, it was like a meme or whatever that was like you know it only cost them 100 bucks or something 200 bucks to make this thing and i'm just like yeah because 200 and then plus and they sell it to and re, yeah so they make bank when you buy direct from apple yeah. but if you buy from the t-mobile store or whatever it's the same margin everybody else. It's 50%. It's mm-hmm. the same margin your jeans cost. Or maybe, you know, like it's the same. And usually electronics, it's electronics, a Electronics, it's a lot less usually. Yeah. So that's the thing with electronics. I mean, whereas with with clothing, you might have a 50% margin if you're selling at full price. With electronics, maybe you're down to like 20%. You're not making a lot of money off the electronics. Because mm. once you factor in the paying the employees and all that other stuff, you're not making much. You make it on the accessories. And on the accessories, you might have sixty. Which is why dongles are hundred bucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's uh, it's kind of crazy that way. So that's where that's where people are making their money um, when it comes to electronics. It's on all of the accessories, and that's why 
you know, when you buy your your iPhone, the salespeople are really pushing you to to buy the case and the screen protector and the and the warranty and all that other stuff because that's where the money's made and that's how these companies stay in business. It's not off of the actual products usually, um, but it's true. Like um, when you when you find out how much companies are making these products for you think oh man what a ripoff but when you actually see the whole process and how many people are involved in the process and everybody has to make a little bit of money to keep their business afloat and stuff you find out all right nobody's really getting super mm. rich off of that apple's making a lot of money well apple is but <laughs> they're also selling billions of iphones right you sell billion of anything billion of <laughs> you sell a billion iPhones you only make 50 cents per iPhone you're still making 500 million dollars like the 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 quantity, make a lot of, they make right. a lot of money there's a difference between selling a billion iPhones and selling 100 tents yeah for example you know you sell 100 tents and you make 50 bucks per tent well that's, that's five, not very much. five thousand dollars yeah well that'll pay for nothing half of rent <laughs> you know yeah like so Anyway, but the but the conversation we kind of got off a little bit with the the whole design stuff is, um, yeah, you're you're six to nine months uh, minimum for waiting on a factory from China, for example, to produce all your products. Um, it probably takes at least a year to develop the product. Now I can take, I can come up with a um, with a mannequin or with a body form. I can drape the body form. I can come up with a pattern. I can take a product from a drawing on paper to a product that you can wear in a in a week or two to test it out. That's pretty good. That's pretty fast. So, um, I mean, it is pretty fast, and and then I can test it out. But then I want to test it out and test it out and test it out and redo it and test it out and redo it and test it out. Yeah. So right now, this jacket, I have worn it. I have added some features. I have unstitched seams and re-sewn them differently. I am like going through all these different things um, to try to figure it out, and it's still in its early stages. And I'll probably continue to mess with this for another couple months as I wear it and use it and stuff before I re-sew it with different fabrics, and then I'm going to test that out. And I'm going to mm. add it. So it takes some time, and and uh, that testing process is probably the difference between creating a product that really works and is really dialed versus one that just looks good but doesn't doesn't function because a lot of times you think you have a really good idea until you test it and you realize oh that doesn't work like i thought it would or or whatever so the testing process is important so um designing your own gear not easy no and fun it, it's fun i i yeah. like it i really enjoy it um and because I, I work on my own mostly, um, it allows me to just kind of zone out and really get into it. And I can listen to audiobooks and other things while I'm working, so that's kind of fun. It's the Gear 30 Podcast. The Gear 30 Podcast. Um, but it is fun. It is it is a good time. Um, but it, it has been a long, like, it, it is something that I have been studying the fabrics. I have been studying the designs. I've been kind of messing with my own designs for couple decades and before I actually really started doing it and so um, had I been trying to design my products 
full time during that time, I'd be much better than I am now. But it's not something that if you want to start doing it, you can just dive in and start doing it today. Like there's there's some learning that go and even a I don't even think a degree at, at a college is going to get you there as much as the actual hands on experience. So if you're interested in designing outdoor gear, just do it, like dive into it, study what's on the market, test it out, try your own. Start learning how to sew. <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's um, the thing right there. Yeah, start lo- learning how to sew. Figure out what fabrics work and why and, and get your hands on some of that fabric. Try making your own stuff and just really geek out on it. And um, that'll get you there more than more than school will. But if you do want to get into school, then that's that's obviously something worth worth doing. And there's a lot of companies or a lot of programs out there now that didn't used to be there five years ago. So yeah. that's kind of cool. Cool, thanks. So, that's interesting. Yeah. So anyway, that's just a, a little bit about outdoor gear design. Hopefully, hopefully in the next uh, year or two, maybe we'll have some products. <laughs> Be awesome on the market. So um, I'm pretty excited. This jacket right here that I'm looking at, it's just I've sewn it out of Windstopper fabric, and uh, it's pretty rough. It's pretty, uh, you know, I just it's a it's a test prototype. But I've been impressed so far. I'm I'm excited about how it's working. It's doing a lot of things that I've been wanting it to do that are different than any any products that I've had before. So um, I'm excited to. I really want some real nasty weather to show up so yeah. I can take it out and get it in the nasty weather and see yeah. how it works. But anyway, pretty fun. So sweet. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's a podcast for today. Thank you for joining us. Hopefully you found it interesting and educational. And um, if you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends as well, please. And leave us a friendly review if you would. Um, Also, you can follow us on Instagram at gear underscore three zero. Like us on Facebook and check out gear30.com for great deals on our winter closeout stuff right now. The best deals. Yeah. So gear30, that's spelled out G-E-A-R-T-H-I-R-T-Y.com. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.